Because ultimately, why do we want to leverage data? Why do we want to access data? We want to better inform our business. It's all about decision-making. We want to make better decisions, more informed decisions, more accurate decisions. Hello, and welcome to Shopify Masters, your companion for starting and building a business. I'm Shwang Estershan. How does the development of artificial intelligence make you feel? Maybe you're excited or intimidated, thrilled, or a bit scared. No matter how you feel, it doesn't change the fact that innovation and creativity in artificial intelligence industry is upon us. So it should come as no shock that in 2020, the Bank of Canada appointed Miriam Hagigi as their first director of data science. Miriam is responsible for the vision and development of strategies in digital, data, quantum computing, and information technology. She is here now to share how these new technologies will affect businesses and how you can best leverage them in order to continue growing your brand in the future. Miriam, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. So I'm very excited to chat. I wanted to kick things off by highlighting your role because you made such great impact on such a large scale. As the very first director of data science at the Bank of Canada, why do you think this role hasn't been around until recently? Good question. Well, first of all, as you mentioned, I work for the Bank of Canada. I'm the first director of data science there. And uh, let me start by emphasizing that the views that I'm expressing here today are my own views and not the official views of the Bank of Canada. Now to your question of why I think this role hasn't been around until recently. Well, I think it goes to a few items. One is massive growth of data, what we call high frequency data and granular data versus the traditional conventional data that was always being used in our domain, which would be the aggregated data, national statistics and surveys and so on and so forth. And those are still being used. Those are the traditional conventional or classic methods. But over the past uh, few years, there's been rapid growth of granular data, high-frequency data, and combined with growth of technology, artificial intelligence, machine learning, automation processes, all of these to enable us to handle this large volume of data. So the domain uh, grew significantly. Lots of that, uh, obviously, in the industry and in the private sector, but also heavily being brought into the public sector. And Here at the bank, one of our core values is to think ahead. And a huge part of my role is actually that, to think ahead, to see and to do a scan of what's happening and how it will impact us and how it will impact the uh, economy at large. So that's one reason. I think the second reason is just about the domain itself. Data science is a newer domain. In fact, when I finished my studies at university, the term didn't even exist. Um, We would use math and algorithms and statistics and computer science and other related topics to deduce better insights, to make better forecasts. Even the term analytics is relatively new. Uh, 
I remember when it first started being used in the early 2000s, and I remember people would ask me what it is. Then I remember a few jobs ago, I had a job where uh, my title was a senior advisor of advanced analytics. And everyone would tell me, but isn't analytics already advanced enough? What is advanced analytics? Now, of course, today, with how it's evolved, we laugh at questions like that. But back then, it was new. So the world has evolved. The world has changed. And this is how it is now. And it's only growing. And I, I don't know where it would be in a few years or what topics we would be considering. So it's an evolution. And it's a very rapid changing world in this domain. And on that note, I always, you know, when people ask me, especially uh, the youth, younger folks, even in the family, kids, etc., I tell everyone to learn, study STEM, science, technology, math, uh, engineering, either as a, as a major or even just, just as a hobby to keep yourself abreast of what's happening with science and technology. Even if you have a, you know, geeky cousin or a roommate who likes to read these things and discuss it because um, it's impacting your life in a major way. And one thing we know for sure is that it will continue to impact our lives going forward. So uh, we better keep up with that pace. And that's, uh, that's a significant part of my role. Yes, I totally agree because some of my really close friends at work are in data science and even at a creative role like myself, um, we look at our performance data all the time. So for founders and business owners who are listening to our podcast, can you talk to some of the resources that are available at the Bank of Canada that can support them in their business journey? If you go to uh, the website, bankofcanada.ca, there is a ton of material there uh, from easy, short articles and blog posts on economy, simple things about what different terms mean. And people hear about CPI, Consumer Price Index, or GDP. What, what do these things mean? How do they get calculated? How data plays a role in that? So these are very simple blog posts and even a collection of brief articles to explain the core functions of the bank. There are a ton of videos, a very accessible uh, language. Um, these are short. And for those who want to really learn and they're in domains that they want to go uh, in depth, there are also a ton of material uh, on the website uh, that would go deep into these topics. I would say um, because, you know, founders, entrepreneurs typically have, don't have a whole lot of time. And, um, you know, time is precious. Uh, just learn some of the concepts. Again, um, that way, when people hear things, they know how to interpret. It will help them make connections to their own world. And um, also beyond um, Bank of Canada's website, if you go to, uh, you know, if you, if you want to learn more about data, I would say uh, agencies like Statistics Canada, as an example, also um, they provide a ton of information and data on different sectors of the economy. You can go super granular um, to different locations, different cities, part of the country, different demographics. So you can really analyze in depth um, 
different um, aspects of data that would relate to your own segment of business and what, what you're focusing on. And I think understanding the larger trends at play is really important because you can understand how it relates to your own business and your own craft. For someone who has an intuitive understanding of math, can you tell us some key metrics that business owners should take a note of or you recommend entrepreneurs starting out their business to really pay close attention to when they're looking at their financials or looking at how consumers are behaving within their stores? So I'm going to give you a very controversial answer to this question for a math person. So yes, I am a math and numbers and data person, but I actually think that the key metrics would be dependent upon each business and where in their journey they are at. Are they starting? Are they middle? Are they trying to scale up? Uh, what they're trying to hit, what part of the country or even which country they're operating from, where's their market, et cetera, et cetera. The more important point here is understanding how decision-making works. And uh, this has become a focus of mine uh, for the past little while. Um, there, there is a lot of research out there that talks about the way our brain works and the way decision-making works. And why, why does that matter to business owners, entrepreneurs, and founders? Is because it matters how people decide to spend their money, whether they decide to buy your product or buy another product, whether they decide to invest in your business or not. So understanding how people make decisions, how human beings make decisions has a direct impact on your business. There, there's a whole domain out there in psychology and economics. And actually this domain called behavioral economics, which is kind of like the love child of psychology and economics. And there are a ton of accessible books and podcasts and blogs there. I can think of one, one of the mega bestsellers is this book by Daniel Kahneman, who's the world famous psychologist, winner of a Nobel Prize in economics. It's called Thinking Fast and Slow. There are other uh, good materials out there about how our brain works, what makes us select uh, what makes us decide to take a uh, direction versus another one. I think those are key. They're not metrics, but they're key concepts, key principles for founders and business owners and really everyone in the society to understand. I think strategy is just as much about what you decide to not do as it is about what you decide to do. So which direction to not go, which market to not enter, which product to not do is just as much of a strategic decision as it is about what to do. And sometimes metrics and data, if you just focus on metrics and math and data, will you will lose that strategic side of what you decided to not do because it only shows what you did. Yeah, I think that's really great advice, taking a step back and zooming out and seeing the macro lens of things. And it's really important because I think a lot of the times we forget we as humans really do impact the economy. They're symbiotic. And then understanding how we behave can give us a better understanding of the economy as well. Um, 
Another big part of your interest and what you do is kind of surrounding disruptive technology. And I think I speak for everyone, we don't go a day without hearing more about artificial intelligence. For someone who might be listening or hearing it for the first time, what are your kind of thoughts on the effects, positive and negative? And what are some new developments we should take a note of on different businesses? So disruptive technology, it's not anything new. I mean, it's, it is a buzzword that's being used, but it's something that's been around for centuries when you think about it. In their own times, uh, you know, every advance that we've made in the Industrial Revolution, that was a disruptive tech of its own time. Invention of automobile, electricity, television, they were all disruptive technology. So what is disruptive technology? An innovation that significantly alters the way that we as consumers or as businesses operate, industries as a whole behave. One of those uh, disruptive tech that is impacting our lives on a daily uh, basis. And the impact of that is only going to grow. I'm sure all your audience have heard of all the recent stuff in the news about ChatGPT and that type of technology. I mean, that's existed now for a few years. That's nothing new. But having it at that scale and that readily available to the public, of course, that is new. The other one is... Innovations with respect to hyper-personalization, and that goes hand in hand with AI. So how products get developed, how much you can personalize it, how much you can have uh, personalized marketing uh, to reach a certain uh, segment of the population. All of those can be enhanced by artificial intelligence and machine learning. And the good news is that it's becoming less and less expensive to access that kind of disruptive tech. There used to be a time when people would have to have large operations and, you know, pay a ton of money to developers and data scientists to understand those things. But now a lot of those capabilities are becoming available in a very easy to use format. So founders themselves could probably easily learn and pick it up to a certain degree. Maybe they would need a little bit of handholding, a little bit of training here and there. Of course, you always need to consult uh, experts and keep an eye out uh, what we call responsible innovation. So responsible AI, uh, that goes into concepts of fairness, uh, ethics, uh, bias, um, because these algorithms, they use massive amounts of data to train uh, the, the machine to uh, give you an answer, give you a solution. And if your underlying data has issues, has biases or a certain uh, segment of the population is missing, then that would just get sometimes even magnified in the answer that AI is giving you. So it's important to keep an eye out that. The other one is, I would say, as exciting as it is to hyper-personalized products and leverage AI, as a society, we are becoming more aware and conscious of what data points we use and we share from a privacy perspective. And so depending on where 
each business operates from, depending on the jurisdictions and the legalities of what's allowed. So I think it's important for founders to keep an eye on that because sometimes people forget they may even have the best of intentions, but they forget how things can go wrong. I would say from a purely technological standpoint, there are lots of, in, in the past, especially in the past year and a half, we've had significant changes in evolution in quantum computing. So that is a topic that maybe people are less familiar with. So what is quantum computing? It's essentially simply a, a new form of computing. Uh, it's not to replace our computers, what we are using now today to connect or to do our business with, at least not in the near term. Uh, but it's a form of computing that's based on quantum physics that allows us to do better, larger, more efficient computations, calculations, that allows us to do computations that previously with classical computing weren't possible or at least weren't easily possible. So uh, that sounds all exciting. It does have a negative side. So the negative side of it is that uh, most of the algorithms that are used today for cybersecurity, so to do email communication or, or you do banking online or whatever, like all of those algorithms for cyber protocols, many of those would be in danger of being broken if we have industrial scale quantum computing. Do we have that now? No, we don't, but it's something to be aware of. So with disruptive tech, there's always this angle of risk versus potential. And sometimes the risk is to what you're doing. Sometimes the risk is wiping out certain sectors if some businesses completely. I mean, if you were in the business of making horse and buggies and then automobiles started being invented, um, so that was disruptive technology. So that would have impacted that business then. On the financial industry side, we have the whole world of fintech. So that's the terminology that we use. It's basically a combination of financial and technology. And it's a relatively new term. And it applies to emerging technology that help consumers or financial institutions deliver financial services in newer, faster ways that was traditionally available. There is a strong connection between fintech and e-commerce as an example of that. Um, so, you know, that the fact that, you know, consumers' ability to go online, see their financial transaction, use apps to pay, to exchange money, to purchase, have quick lending solutions, all of that evolution of financial services and payment world, that all falls under the broader umbrella of fintech or seeing really fintech in action to empower consumers, empower founders to take charge of their financial lives, uh, leading to much greater financial literacy than ever before. So innovative technologies and approaches that sit at that cross-section of private industry sector and public sector within the payment system, they're vital for uh, our world today, for what we call the digital economy. 
And I think that world is only going to grow. So from disruptive tech perspective, fintech, um, mobile banking, digital lending, mobile payments, the world of blockchain, um, its impact on uh, insurance, training, banking as a service. All of those are, I think, topics that not only founders, but I would say members of the public need a, uh, need to keep an eye out. For sure. And I think a lot of our listeners really have enjoyed the benefits of different payment systems and also digital lending. I think when we do think about uh, disruptive technology, especially in the artificial intelligence lens or the quantum computing lens in the future, definitely laws are going to catch up. So in terms of policy and lawmaking, what should founders be aware of that they can prepare for these changes that are about to happen? Generally speaking, in the world of regulation and public sector, things don't get announced overnight. Generally speaking, there is significant consultations and things happening in the background. If people follow the news carefully, they would hear about it. It's not to the benefit of the regulator or the public sector to disrupt. Even though we are talking about disruptive tech, our role is not to disrupt. So usually people are given a ton of notice. They're, they give you people follow talks, seminars, conferences, publications, blogs. Changes in that world of le- regulating AI shouldn't come to, to people as a surprise. Now, having said that, we are all busy in our day-to-day lives. And if you're a founder and business owner, do you have time to follow these pieces of news? Maybe yes, maybe not. So my advice would be that, you know, even if it's just five minutes every week, you could, you could even leverage technology, set some automated alert system on keywords in the news that you want to track. And then you, you get that pulled into, you know, again, that's an example of artificial intelligence that would summarize it and send it to your email account if they follow some of the think tanks or other kind of resources out there. Just keep an eye out on uh, these type of newsletters or summaries. And then you start seeing what's emerging, what regulation is going to come down. And again, start thinking, okay, how would this impact my world? I would go back to say in terms of regulations with respect to AI, privacy is going to be probably a key one. It already is, and it's going to become more and more prominent going forward. Aspects related to cyber, so be it quantum or other related aspects, those are going to be key. In fact, um, unfortunately, uh, Business owners, especially small business owners, are could be very exposed um, to uh, risk from a cyber perspective. Things like ransomware, you know, you you have your uh, customer list and you can't fulfill the you know the order because your one computer that you use got hacked. I mean, sounds awful, and the solution is awfully simple to say backup your data. There's a whole topic about cyber insurance for businesses that not saying necessarily they should or they must have it as a choice that each business should take for themselves, but they should at least educate themselves about it, that that's available out there. Have guardrails in place for accessing 
data and sharing data because um, that world connects to reputational risk. Whether you are a large business or even a small business that you work so hard to build your uh, clientele and you want to maintain that uh, reputation. So protecting their data, their privacy, that's important to people, giving them services that they need, that's also important to them. And doing all of that in, in this online world in a fashion that's safe from a cyber perspective, that's important too. Which is why it's so important to leverage those alerts and use AI to your benefit. I'm joined by Miriam Hagigi, the Director of Data Science at the Bank of Canada. I hope you're enjoying our conversation. And if you haven't already, please subscribe or follow Shopify Masters wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review or feedback for the show. Thanks. For our listeners, how do they make sure that their new businesses are future-proof utilizing some of the areas we talked about, like data and artificial intelligence? So you need to be aware of what as humans, what aspect are you injecting to that concept that's unique to you and unique to human beings? What creative, innovative part you're bringing to the picture that cannot, or at least cannot easily be replaced by a machine? AI is essentially a machine. Artificial intelligence is um, most simplistic form is a machine that in some aspects could replace certain things that humans do. So you want to know, okay, what, what am I doing to this business idea that's uniquely me, um, that a machine may not be able to do it or do it easily? Or the flip side is, how can I leverage AI? So there's one way to try and AI-proof your business, or the other way is to join the pack and say, how can I leverage AI to actually boost my business? Also, I would say it depends on the timelines that people have in mind. So it makes a difference if you're planning to start a business and have a startup that you can go quickly to the market and you want to reach people in the next month, you probably have a good idea of where the you know, latest world of AI in, in that sector is from now till next month, probably not going to change a whole lot versus if you have an idea, you need to work on it for five years to go to market. It makes a huge difference because in five years, that's such a big timeline that there can be massive shifts from AI perspective and automation that would then heavily impact your idea. Even if the business is a, is a tech business, um, that creativity aspect is still there. You know, people think, say in my role, they might think, oh, on a daily basis, she deals with data and numbers and math formulas. And that's true to some extent, but 
there is a significant creative part to the type of work that I do. And in fact, if you go to people's backgrounds, you, you often find that um, people who get attracted to the world of numbers and artificial intelligence and algorithms, they tend to have this other artsy creative facet where they are either musicians or they do paintings. And, and that's not a coincidence. That's because as, as human beings, that creative outlet is, I think, what sets us apart from machines, but also what makes us better understand where we are at in our relation to the machine, to artificial intelligence. What are some trends within data or artificial intelligence that you are the most excited about? Definitely the world of quantum is one of them. I think that's going to be a quantum leap, no pun intended, in terms of our capacity for computation. Because when you go back into the history, a lot of these algorithms for AI and automation, they all existed in the 60s and 70s or were dreamt up then. Why are they making such an impact now is because our world of computer hardware and the chips that we used made this possible. These chips and hardware didn't exist in 60s and 70s. They exist now or they came about in you know 80s and 90s and 2000. Therefore, we are benefiting from that now in our smartphones and in our home computers and tablets. So uh, we are exceedingly reaching the limits of classical hardware. It all goes back to decision-making. It's all about decision-making. We want to make better decisions, more informed decisions, uh, more accurate decisions, things that, you know, lead us to the outcomes that we want. So that's why we care about data. That's why we care about technology. Otherwise, you know, go, go with your guts. You know, people like to do that in decision-making. I'm not a huge advocate of that. It's all about better decision-making. So I'm, I'm going to repeat myself, but learning about how humans make decisions is the key to really boost whatever topic, project, business you're working on or founding is. Amazing. Well, I think businesses are just a series of decision-making. So Thank you so much for your insights, Miriam. My pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. It's a really exciting world out there for business owners. I admire how their risk-taking nature and their willingness to explore unexplored territories opens doors for us as a society, for me personally, as a consumer as well, and for our society as a whole. If we didn't have entrepreneurs taking those leaps of faith and those risks, we wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation. We wouldn't be having these lots of these technologies and advances that we talked about today. And I think that is one thing that distinguishes us from AI. So let's support that and let's keep that up. That's Miriam Hagigi from the Bank of Canada. 
Thank you for joining us on Shopify Masters. Our show is produced by Megan Coyle and Gogo Zoger. Our engineers are Matt Schwartz and Miku Betlam. Benjamin Gottlieb is our supervising producer. And I'm Shwang Essershan. And we will see you next time.